How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Waterfowl 365, presented by BTBN. I am your host, Chris Adams. However you're listening to this thing, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you can follow along and know when all the new episodes are coming out. And if you go ahead and leave us uh, a review, feedback, something like that, I'd really appreciate it. Let's me know how you like guys are liking this thing, and uh, what can we do to improve it? Who you want to hear us talk to? So uh, yeah, if you're not following along with us on social media, make sure you check out BTBN on Facebook and Instagram. That is the best place to keep up with what is going on, and uh, with the podcast world, the call making competitions, all that good stuff is going to be on social media first. So BTBN, make sure you hit the like, follow, whatever button it is for the uh, platform. If you want to get yourself a nice blank to make a duck call out of, check out my boy Seth Owsley over at Swampwood Products. He will get you set up. He makes a uh, really nice product and stands behind it. And it's uh, what a lot of my calls are made out of. So check out Seth Owsley over at Swampwood Products. And if you want to get one of those things and send it to me to have me make you a half-decent duck call, um, check out Unstable Calls on Instagram and get yourself on the list for a nice paperweight or Christmas tree ornament or maybe a duck killing machine, however you choose to use it. Um, if you want to get yourself a nice piece of apparel, check out Fox Red Apparel on Instagram. Get yourself something that's nice, grown up, it looks good, it's clean, it's classy. Fox Red Apparel on Instagram. I said last night that we need to do more waterfowl podcasts, get back to that side of things. And we're going to go ahead and do that. It is uh, not going to be a call maker, but it's actually going to be a waterfowl photographer he makes some really, really nice, like his work is really nice. I wouldn't say he makes really, really nice, but he's got some really killer stuff and uh, he's done a lot of work with uh, waterfowl companies across the uh, across the waterfowl industry, I guess you would say, and I've seen a lot of his work for a long time. So without any further ado, Mr. Edward Wall. Ed, how are you doing today, sir? Doing great. How about yourself? Oh, not too bad, man. Enjoying this summer-like weather up here in Missouri. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the same way down here in Mississippi, unfortunately. It never ends being like that in Mississippi. I uh, I used to live down in Pascagoula, and I also was stationed in Meridian for a while. And uh, I've always told my family that it's like nine months of amazing weather and then you have you know july august and september are just absolutely miserable other than that it's amazing yeah it's uh it's pretty, it's pretty rough here in the summer but uh definitely a little a little humid and hot so. <laughs> well you're heading up to uh my neck of the woods here tomorrow you said yeah uh heading up uh you go up to Missouri and um, Arkansas this weekend, um, do some hunting slash filming uh, up there this weekend. So hopefully we're going to have some ducks. It's uh, not extremely optimistic, but you never know. Yeah, that's a uh, dude, it's been so hit and miss weather wise. It's insane. Now, are you coming up here? I know that you do a lot of photography stuff. I've seen that you work with uh, some different companies. I think you did one for uh, Mossy Oak late, like recently. Yeah, um, so we've got a. I produce a. <coughs> excuse me, I produce a short film series called Lost Break. 
uh, for Bossy Oak. Uh, we did the did the first season last year, and we're working on the second season currently. Um, so we'll be filming a little bit of it this weekend. Also, um, yes, yeah, the you know, like, thing I did with them, uh, like I said, it was it's kind of a it's about an island in the middle of Mississippi River that um, was mainly used for deer hunting and a group of buddies and I that have hunted together for years and years um, two of them actually went in and just fought this island um, two years ago and we've just kind of been trying to transform it into a really good place for ducks it's, it's, it's a pretty awesome place like I said it's, a, it's an island in the middle of Mississippi River we finally got a camp built on it right off the edge of the river um so it's got its it's got its pros and cons when it comes to you know you obviously you've got to get got to get there by boat so it's makes hauling stuff and uh, equipment and all that kind of stuff kind of a challenge but uh we've managed to make the best of it so far does it get uh affected hardcore by like um the rise and the fall and flooding and stuff like that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like it's when I, I mean, it's literally an island in the middle of the Mississippi River. Um, you know, last year, actually, I guess the first season we hunted was the eighteen nineteen season, and it wasn't it wasn't too terrible. Um, last year, about mid season, yeah, the Mississippi River came up and it stayed up, and um, so we we went from. I mean, obviously our our ideal situation is to be standing up against a tree kicking water that just wasn't an option last year about mid-season it got to where it was most of the spots we were hunting were 15 20 feet deep uh it's funny one of the last weekends we hunted up there we so we've got these big three these three big floating blinds on the island that we have to hunt out of when it gets too deep to stand and kind of a pain in the ass to move around but that's our only option and one of the last weekends up there last year we were, we were moving one of them kind of right just before daylight and we tied it off to a tree and i was looking out of the blind and i saw something right i just kept thinking what is that and it finally dawned on me that it was the shooting rail of a 20-foot ladder stand that had been on dry land opening weekend and now all i can see was the shooting rail on it at the end of the season so kind of get a little a little bit of perspective of how much water the mississippi river put up put on the island last year yeah that's insane man and you said that you and your buddies had went in on this island is it no not i'm sorry go ahead so so there's a big group of us like uh, eight or ten of us been hunting together for years and we used to hunt nothing but public land in arkansas um, a few of them actually had a house um, in Arkansas, and so we just we hunted public land. And uh, you know, a few years ago, Arkansas game of fish kind of changed the rules for out of staters uh, going to thirty days. Uh, and then the following year, they you know they're going to dictate which thirty days. So we kind of started looking um, for you know, an alternative to that, and. Uh, two, uh, two of the guys that hunt with us found this island and they went in and bought it and uh, the rest of us just kind of 
put in sweat equity, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, man. But yeah, they uh, they bought it a couple years ago, and we've we're lucky enough to be able to hunt with them and uh, share it with them. It's, it's been a really cool deal. Yeah, that's a, a super unique style of hunting. You know, I'm just. I'm up here in Missouri. I'm not on the freaking Mississippi River side of it. I'm not close enough to the Missouri River to have a whole lot of river hunting experience. When you think of, you know, a prime hunting area around these parts, you know, it's a a field or, you know, maybe a flooded uh, ag field or something like that. So it sounds insane. Like, I'm thinking it has to be a pretty good size island. Yeah, it's about 1,200 acres. Um, Holy cow. And the... uh... So the part that's um, actually that we actually flood, um, you know, ideally we would love for the water, the river to come up, flood, flood the duck holes, fall back out, let's drop the gate on it, and we're good to go. But um, the part that we actually hunt that's flooded is around three hundred acres. Dude, um, I so I remember seeing. I don't know if it was you who released it. Maybe Josh shared it or something last year. But I remember seeing the promo for it. And I am so, like, all over the place with different stuff and commitments and stuff. I don't know if I ever sat down and watched it. But I remember seeing, because the name stuck out when you said that. I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I remember seeing how cool the footage was, how, I don't know, was that, were you directing, like, the, uh, principle of, uh, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was, um, it was, <laughs> it was a little bit challenging, because it was, um, just one camera, it was just me, the entire season, um, one of the guys from Monsieur came up and helped me film, um, for Youth Weekend, but the rest of the season, it was, it was just one camera, which can be a challenge, but it's, you know, I kind of made the, made, made the most of it, and, managed to, you know, put something out that was least watchable, I think. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, dude. It is a, a huge challenge, and it's really funny because you're talking something right up my wheelhouse, whereas, you know, I do calls and stuff like that now, but here in Missouri, I did a local show for uh, three years total, and I didn't have nearly the experience that I'm sure you had behind a camera, it was more of an opportunity presented itself and somebody asked me the question of, hey, was I interested in filming a TV show? And I said, absolutely. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even have a camera yet, but I'm going to do it. And oh my yeah, goodness, man. That's, that's the easiest way to learn how to swim is just jump at the deep end. That's <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it's, it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was a... Uh, a lot of work uh, trying to, because the like last year, which we're going to do again this year, but we're we're trying to put out episodes. Um, last year we did five episodes. This year I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do. It's probably gonna be five. I'm gonna try to do six. Um, we're going on um, an outfitter from Kansas called me. Uh, a guy named Wesley Walker. They've got an outfitter in Kansas and said they had followed along with us last season and. Would love to meet the guys, Brooks and Murray and Harrison, and uh, would love to have us come out and hunt with them and, you know, film out there. So we're going to try to do a road trip episode this season, uh, first part of December, uh, out in Kansas, because none none of us have hunted Kansas. I've hunted a bunch of places, but Kansas is yet to to go there. So we're going to go out there and hunt for three days the first week of December, because 
uh, our season's closed, and so it kind of worked out perfect. Um, okay. Yeah, we're going to try to try to put out. I'm going to try to get six episodes this season. Um, is my goal, but that's all going to depend on the duck. <laughs> uh-huh. That was uh, the worst, most frustrating part of that type of experience was. One year we went out to Kansas for five days, and then uh, the next year we went out to Colorado, and we were like, "Hey, we're gonna get all this awesome footage. We're gonna, you know, maybe stretch it into two episodes a piece." And then we went out there, and it was like beating your head against the wall. We're like, "Well, we're back to the drawing board, boys. We better find something around Missouri to get it done." Yeah, that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, you know, when you're when you're depending on weather and a wild animal to do something consistent, it, it makes it really tough. Um, but I, that, those guys out there had a they had a lot of success last season and uh, out in Kansas, and I'm I'm hoping that they feel pretty confident that we'll you know they're they're gonna be able to put us on some ducks and. Uh, hopefully it'll it'll all work itself out and we'll get enough enough footage to to make an episode out of it is, is my plan but you know like like we just talked about sometimes that, that best laid plans so. absolutely man i can tell you that it was the first time that i'd ever been to wichita in the middle of it was on new year's um that i, I actually went out there i left new year's eve instead of going out we we drove out to wichita and the amount of honkers and lessers that were out there was out of this world there was you know two or three hundred thousand honkers in the area and we just do not get anything like that this far south of missouri and it was just mind-blowing man um so you you started this filming project last year had you done more filming or photography before that in the past yeah so uh, um i started about seven years ago uh it's mainly just photography um and just kind of fell in love with it and found myself doing it more and more and then at some point after taking a whole lot of bad pictures over (laughs) several years i finally started figuring it out a little bit taking some decent ones and have some people wanting to pay me to photograph stuff and kind of just started from there uh and then a few years ago i kind of started digging more and more into the film side of it uh videography side of it and just yeah it's kind of just it's a lot of information out there a lot of a lot of hours researching and watching YouTube videos and trying different stuff and just kind of figuring it out. And uh, So the, the main thing I do year-round is I've got a media company. We do um, social media content, TV commercials for, um, like, I've got several different businesses, but clients kind of locally in Mississippi, um, roofing companies, paving companies, uh, got an outdoor store. So nine months out of the year, I'm basically doing that. I'm doing photographs and TV commercials and stuff for them. And then three months out of the year, I'm doing the outdoor stuff. So, uh, very, very cool, man. Like, what was it like? You said you started around seven years ago. Is that right? Right. So what was it like, you know, you go get a camera, 
which a lot of people, you know, dive down this rabbit hole. They get their first DSLR, start taking some pictures, and they're like, holy crap, this is a pain in the butt, you know, and then they put it back in the box and let it collect dust for a long time. Like, what was it like the first time that you got that first, like, paying gig that you're like, holy crap, dude, this, like, this could be something I, I transitioned from whatever it was that you were doing before that into something that's, uh, you know, running a media company. Yeah, it's, to be honest with you, like, it, at, at first, for a couple of years, it was just taking my camera when we went duck hunting. Um, and it, I quickly noticed that I liked taking pictures just as much as I liked shooting ducks. Uh, and so... Yeah, like I said, I spent years taking a lot of bad pictures. I mean, anybody that owns a camera can tell you they take a lot of bad ones to get a few good ones. But um, as I kind of progressed and got a little bit better and learned more and figured out, okay, I took this bad picture, why is the light not right, and figuring out how to operate the camera and how to you know, work the composition of, a, of an actual photo and the light everything that goes into a picture – and started getting a little bit better. People did start asking me to, or offering to pay me to do this stuff. It was honestly a little bit, <laughs> uh, there's a little bit of pressure there because if you and I go out duck hunting and I take a picture of you and your dog and it's not great, well, that's no big deal. But if you're paying me to take a picture of you and your dog and it's not great, well, then there's an issue. So there's a, you know, there's a little bit of hesitation at first. Um, but once I, started doing it and you know it got easier and easier um so i tell you what's crazy is the you know fast forward to now i feel pretty confident uh, you know kind of i get calls all the time about hey can you come do this or do that or whatever and i don't i really run across one that i, that I really get kind of nervous about but last week i had a shoot that uh, it did. It gave me a little bit of a little bit of anxiety. Uh, I, uh, guy that's in the outdoor industry, Ramsey Russell, that owns GetDucks.com, had flown me out to. I'd been in Nebraska, and he flew me to Utah. He was going on a swan hunt and wanted me to film it. Um, so we we're going to spend three days hunting. We shot ducks and geese, and but the main the the main thing that film was going to be. Uh, about swans and the, the swan he was going to shoot and the only issue the, the anxiety comes from you know if you and I go out and shoot and a couple guys go out and shoot a four man limited ducks I happen to miss one or two shots <laughs> right it's not, the end of, it's not the end of the world if the swan comes in it's one and, and done swan, right he shoots a swan and I don't get the shot well that's that's going to be a bad deal all around. But luckily, uh, it didn't. It tried to give us a little bit of trouble because the we had a perfect setup. We were, like I said, we're hunting in North Utah and uh, had the wind at our back, perfect. And this is the first one I'd ever been on. But they work a lot like mallards. They they decoy. They make a couple passes. You're calling at them. They're calling back. It's it's kind of cool. But the wind had switched on us a little bit, and it's kind of out of our left instead of at our backs. And the swan came from the right, and there was kind of some tall reeds right there in front of me to my right. Which oh man! Kind of made me, I was, I was, kind of made me a little nervous, but uh, it worked out great. I got I got a really good down the barrel shot, and 
like when the swan hit the water, it was I could I could kind of breathe after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's no so, doubt, man. It uh, it always like. Are you filming with a DSLR or like new? Uh, yeah, I've got I've got both. I've got several different cameras. I've got uh, a couple of Canon cameras, and uh, you know my my video camera that I, I find myself is kind of my go to is I've got a a mirrorless Sony A7 III and it's just it's with a 28-75 zoom lens on it and it's it's really light and it's really great for the down the barrel shot or shooting b-roll and mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that now like if I'm filming just ducks in flight type stuff um, I've got a Canon 1DX Mark II with a 70 to 200 lens on it that you know a little bit more zoom and it's um it's what i use for, for birds but most of anything i shoot video wise is, is going to be on that Sony. um i've got a buddy of mine uh dylan had he's done a bunch of stuff um done all the stuff for rolling thunder and he's to me one of the best if not the best out there uh, when it comes to video and he's helped me a lot along the way and uh, he, he's always been a big Sony guy and he talked me into it and I'm forever grateful that he did because I've had it for a couple of years now and I've absolutely loved it yeah it's Sony's low light capability is just ridiculous and, yeah it uh, really is man it's I was uh, doing it before mirrorless dropped and we were doing 6Ds and then a uh, Sony NX70U was like the main birds in flight camera and I can't tell you how many times you know you would try to work and you know because I, I would try to train other cameramen so I wasn't having to do it all the time but I'm a control freak so half the time I would end up just doing it <laughs> and it, uh, it was like like we would have like a really great morning or something like that, and you go back and you throw the memory card in the in the laptop and start you know diagnosing and calling and stuff like that, and you're like, dude, you had your settings, you had the ISO way too high when you didn't need it, the shutter speed was way too like you know that one setting is just wrong, and it just ruins the whole day, and it's just like, oh, it kills me. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's I mean, look, I'm still I'm still learning every day, so it's. Uh, it's not something you're going to pick up a camera and be great at tomorrow. Uh, I mean, it's, like I said, I, especially the video side, I, I spend several hours a week trying to watch videos and stuff on a certain aspect of videography that I'm trying to learn more about. And I'll you know, YouTube or something and kind of just spend, spend some time watching videos and see if I can. It's crazy that yeah the, the better you get at it it's how much when you realize how much you still don't know um, um, yeah yeah I mean there's there's just there's so many guys out there that are so talented with them with them chairman in their hand and uh, I every time I it seems like every week or every hunt I'm learning I, I learn something new that you know I know it's going to be useful in the future yeah so, yeah absolutely uh, man. it's a uh, it's a constantly learning game, and I think, especially waterfowl, guys just so underestimate how hard it is to film, because number one, you're pointing in the sky half the time. It's not like aiming from a tree stand, you know? And then, uh, 
you're shooting most of the time before there's really any decent light out. Like, you know, the low light capability right. is so good nowadays, but it's still, you know, the I can't tell you how many ducks that we've had to let land the hole and fly away because it's just still too dark, even though it's shooting time. Right. And then, you know, one of the, I mean, one big challenge is for waterfowl is that you're, like you said earlier, you're filming them in the sky, and so, you know, that camera is reading the amount of light that's in that sky versus when they get down into a hole, like if you're hunting flooded timber or something like that, and they get down, you know, below the canopy, it's, it's a totally different, you go from bright, Below, like on a, especially on like a, a really kind of one of those really light cloudy days where the sky is just solid white mm-hmm. and that duck and that duck drops below that canopy and all of a sudden it's dark up in those woods and so it's <laughs> it's a tough transition there trying to you know uh, maneuver all that and so it's it's definitely you know filming waterfowls is definitely uh, one of the tougher things I think to, to film for sure definitely man. Now, you got into, uh, so this started out with you doing, like, waterfowl photography and stuff like that. Um, I've seen you post up some really, really cool pictures going back and looking through some of your work. And then you've had, like, some different magazine stuff, too, haven't you? Yeah, so it's, it's funny. The, um, I, I guess when I first started taking pictures, what's, one of my favorite pictures I've ever taken was one of the first months that I had a camera, it's, uh, there's a picture of my dog looking around that big cypress tree that I had no clue what I was doing. I just happened to point it at him and it turned out great. It was just complete luck. Um, and it's been, it's been used a bunch. Um, but one of my biggest goals was every year, Ducks Unlimited had this uh, national photo contest where you could submit three pictures uh, and they had three categories, which was retrievers, waterfowl, and waterfowl hunter, uh, hunting. And you could, we had to, had to be in one of those categories and you could only submit three. So I would just, at the end of the season, uh, the, the deadline to submit them was, was January, January 31st every year. So at the end of the season, I would have 10 or 12 pictures that I thought were my best. And I, I, I could never decide which three, because you don't really know what they're looking for. Um, and so I submitted every year. That was like my, one of my biggest goals was to, because if you if they picked a winner and a runner up out of every category, so there's six pictures there. Then they picked an overall photo of the year and an overall runner up. So they're picking eight pictures out of I think it's somewhere around ten thousand or so. And that was just one of my biggest goals was to get one of my pictures picked because you got the magazine. And um, three years ago. Uh, Won the, won the retriever category with a picture I'd taken of my dog retrieving a banded wood duck in Mississippi Delta. And I mean, I was just, you know, I was on cloud nine. And then two years ago, uh, it's crazy. I had taken this picture um, at Lake Ashball in Northeast Arkansas a couple seasons ago. And I guess it was maybe three seasons ago when everything just locked up um, from central mississippi to all the way north and just for like a week and lake asphalt is a big rest area, rest area on the wma in arkansas and the entire lake was, fro- was frozen over except for these two little spots that had just thousands and thousands of ducks keeping these two little holes open 
and it was out in the middle of the lake and so looking back it's probably one of the dumbest things i've ever done but i walked out on the ice about 300 yards to get close enough yeah and out there by myself i mean literally one of the dumbest things i've ever done but i i got this picture of just all of them getting up at once and just happened to snap a picture and it it ended up winning photo the overall photo of the year uh two years ago and then this past season um uh, one morning that i was talking with my buddy dylan at his place up in uh, mississippi delta we shot a couple green head, a couple green heads and a few more a couple off ducks that morning but just the light coming in that morning we're on this little field on this on a tree line it's just filled and there's just a perfect light coming in there and my dog's standing on the stand with a couple ducks hanging on the tree and I just turned around and just happened to look I was like man that's a really good light right there and I snapped a picture and it won the retriever category again this year and so uh it was kind of three years in a row and so I was like man that's okay that's pretty cool I I really didn't think much about it this year because I thought, well, they're not going to pick me three years in a row, but uh, I was really fortunate they did. And the, um, the photo editor for DU actually personally sent me an email and told me congratulations and told me he had been following along with the Lost Break series and said it looked like we had something really cool going on there and um, asked me if I'd be interested in not entering anymore, but instead he's got a, a list of photographers he uses for the magazine and uh, maybe you know they would pay me for pictures, and I was like, "Well, yeah, that's yeah. even better." Yeah, much better. So, <laughs> yeah, so, but he explained to me you know, that once you, you know, once we start paying you, you can't compete. You know, you can't enter anymore. And I was like, "Well, that's that's perfectly fine with me." And so, uh, the first month that he sent me, uh, they they send out a kind of a shot list to the photographers of what they need. You kind of submit what you have, and uh, the first time I submitted I got a couple pictures in there one of them is actually a full page uh, picture that I've taken uh, last season so that was kind of cool yeah dude that's so freaking awesome like and especially you know like you said you just kind of picked this thing up started going with it kept tweaking kept working kept doing it you know to winning DU freaking three years in a row like that's a that's a big thing like as a call maker that's like winning, you know, a national convention for a call maker. So, like, that's a huge thing. And I appreciate it. I was looking. That's the, the photo style that I really, really love that you take is the ones with the freaking dogs, man. There's just something about being in that timber with a little bit of light coming through and you just have that dark colored dog on the stand, you know, in those golden eyes. It just, it, it there's just something about a picture like that. Yeah, that's all, I think that's always been my favorite thing. I've been doing it to photograph the dogs. Uh, I don't know why. Uh, I think, it, like, I guess my dog in particular, um, Dietschy, is, they always show with me, is the most photographed dog in the world, which is probably not far from the truth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, he's a, I know I'm partial, but he's a good looking lab, and he does have the, the yellow eyes, and he's got a, I know everybody says a dog has a big motor. Well, he's he's got probably too big a motor. So, the fortunate for me, well, he goes full speed picking up the duck and comes full speed coming back. And he's a he's a very large animal. He's I just bred him the other day, and he's 115 pounds. Holy cow! Uh, Is that the chocolate that's in most of the pictures? Yeah, that's him. Yeah, and 
So he, I mean, he throws a weight coming back. I mean, it's so you get that the the dog coming back with the duck and he's retrieving, and you get all the you know the, the motion from the water splash and all that that you that a lot of dogs you, you get but they're going to retrieve and then they're a little slower coming back so you don't you don't get all that that as much of an action shot with the duck actually coming back whereas with him he's full speed there and full speed back so it's you get a lot of that you know the water droplets where he's throwing a you know a big splash coming back and he actually has the duck so it makes makes my job a little easier in that aspect yeah dude i agree the 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 dog aspect of it, like I used to watch when my kids were two and one when I was doing the TV stuff and they would watch the show and I always thought that they were just like cheering, you know, because I was on TV, whatever. It No, I broke down one day and caught it. My two-year-old would lose her mind when there would be a dog on TV. And that's what she was really going crazy about. And I was like, it's the same way as adults. We love watching dog work, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody, you know, everybody loves their dog and loves to watch their dog work. And, you know, to me, that's one of the, one of the most appealing things about waterfowl hunting is, you know, not only the camaraderie you get to spend when you're hunting, but, you know, the watching a dog that's been trained and is doing what they were bred to do is, you know, it's, it's really cool. And, you know, having that bond with your dog is, is something I've, you know, I've cherished for quite a few years now. And one of my favorite aspects of, of waterfowl hunting is watching the dogs work. Yeah, absolutely. You got uh, that big chocolate, your pup, in the picture. And then you got quite a few pictures of a fox red, too. And I'm a big fox red guy. We have a chocolate now, but I had a fox red. And I have a big one tattooed on my arm. <laughs> but uh, nice. another really yes. good-looking dog. Yeah, that's my buddy Murray. He's got a he's got a uh, female fox red female named Essa. So we we've got uh, at the island Lost Break. We've got the Harrison's got a golden retriever. Um, Brooks has a black lab. Murray has Essa the red the fox red, and then I've got Dichi chocolate. So we kind of like we're going for the weekend. We kind of just send a text like, hey, who's, who's bringing a dog this weekend? We just kind of. You know, somebody said, all right, I'll bring so-and-so, and somebody, so we kind of just alternate them out, and uh, so it, it works out really well, but yeah, she's, uh, he's had her for a couple of years now, and she's, man, she's, she's jam up for sure. Yeah, they're, they're definitely hot. I sent a, uh, a snap to my buddies earlier in a group, because our chocolate, she's nine months, ten months. And she was jumping from couch to couch in the living room for like five minutes. And <laughs> the snap was she's been doing this for the last five minutes. She's losing her mind. Yeah. Yeah. One, one of the pluses with mine is that he, you know, he's, he's full speed there and back. But, you know, one of, one of the downsides to chocolates is that they're high strung is an understatement for most of them, including mine. You know, he gets, you know, right at first light, even at seven years old, he's, He's a whole lot of piss and vinegar, almost <laughs> too too much at times, oh, for yeah. sure. So, uh, my, my buddy Dylan put it best once. He, he said, uh, <laughs> what he lacks in etiquette, he more than makes up for in enthusiasm. I was like, that's, <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> that's so. awesome. Man, you, um, you know, you have a certain style. And like I said, I remember seeing your preview, your promos for Lost Break, and I'm going to have to go back and watch some of it now. 
Um, but you have a, a definite style to your photography, and you can tell going back through uh, your wall media page how it's changed and, you know, and just how people's styles constantly are evolving and changing. What, how hard is that? I think, like, to make yeah. your pictures have that uniform feel where they look at it and they're like, oh, that's a wall picture. So it's, it's funny you said So I, I get that all the time from people that, like, so, you know, when I'm scrolling through Instagram and I see a picture, I don't even have to look. I know it's yours. And it, it's, I can also say that's, you know, that's not by, it's not like I'm trying to do that. It's, I mean, that's just, I, I guess, you, you know, a picture that looks good to you might not look good to me and vice versa. Uh, it's, you know, everybody's has different styles of what they kind of like with anything, you know, like, a food that might taste good to you might not appeal to me. Um, and it, I, I'm not necessarily going for a certain style or anything. I just, I think, Hey, that's, that'll be a cool picture. Like I literally 24 hours a day when I'm riding down the road, I'll see something. And I'm like, man, that'd be a cool picture. Like I just, like my, I guess that's how my brain works now is that I'm always looking at what would be a cool picture, no matter what setting I'm in. If I'm at a, a football game or a duck hole or driving on the road and so i'm always I, I i catch myself just looking for that next good picture and i just take it and apparently they're i guess it a lot of them are just you know the same style i guess uh i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing but it's just i take pictures that i think that i that i think are appealing and hope that everybody else does as well. You said you don't know. I wish there was more to it, but that's, that's as deep as it gets, unfortunately. I was going to say, you said you don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's a bad thing if it's not good. If it's good, then yes, it's a good thing. Like, I've, said, I've said it to a, you know, a bunch of different people. Like You can give somebody the, the right gear. They can have all the right lenses, all the right equipment. They can even know how to use it. But they can, if you don't have that artistic eye of how to frame a picture, like you could take two people the exact same settings, the exact same gear, have them stand next to each other, and they, you know, they're going to completely frame up a picture completely different and have, have that different look to it. And I think that's one of those things you either have, like, because I can look at your picture and be like, dude, that's freaking killer. And from doing like filming and stuff, like, I can make a cool picture you know i can take a cool picture frame it up but it's not going to be to that level because my eye just isn't as good as that well and over the years what i realized is that there's you know when you when when the human eye sees something it's either whether it be you know a person or a picture whatever you're either you know it's either appealing to you or it's not and a lot of times you don't know you can look at a picture and say, man, that's a really cool picture. Man, that's all, you know, awesome picture, but you, you, you're not sure why. And there's certain, to me, there's just certain things that I do personally that, like I said, whether they're wrong or right, that I, you know, certain things I try to do, I try not to do. And that go into that picture without someone knowing kind of, why someone did this or this or this to make up the composition of that picture, but you just know it's appealing to you or it's not appealing to you. And so it's, 
yeah, there's a, there's some stuff behind the scenes that people do that, um, you know, to, to try to make a picture appealing that, you know, the average person doesn't understand why they like it. They just know they either do or don't. So, yeah, I can definitely understand that, man. Does it, uh, does it absolutely drive you nuts if somebody snags a picture, snags one of your pictures and then throws it on their Instagram and doesn't tag you in it, and then they go through and re-edit it with an Instagram filter? Uh, I, I don't like if somebody ninety-nine times out of hundred, um, like I'll a lot of guys will send me a message and ask if they can use a picture and give me photo credit. And, of course, I'm, you know, absolutely. I don't mind at all. And a lot of people will just use it and will still give me photo credit, which I don't mind at all. Um, it doesn't really bother. I mean, like I'll have I'll have some my buddies or something. I'll send one of my pictures somewhere, and it's not doesn't have my you know me tagged anywhere on it. And um, I mean, it's a, it kind of bothers me a little bit, but it's not. Now, if somebody actually went in and edited it different than how I've done it, that, that would, I don't know that I've ever come across that, now that you mentioned it, uh, I really don't come across that much, very many times that someone doesn't give me photo credit on it, so it's not really an issue, but now if somebody did go in and alter a picture I took, that would kind of rub me a little bit the wrong way, because, I mean, it'd kind of be like a, maybe like a, a painter that painted a picture, and then you hung it in your house, and, or you on your house and you painted it differently. I don't know. It's, you wrote your name on the bottom of it. Right, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, that, it, you know, somebody changing the uh, the makeup of it would. Uh, yeah, a perfect example is a buddy of mine that plays golf out here with me. Uh, he's got a son that's about 14 and I was just was out there one day just riding around. I had my camera with me and his son was playing so I took a snapshot picture of him and I, it was like six pictures and I sent them to him and I thought they were, you know, I thought they were pretty good. And he was like, man, these are awesome. Thank you so much. Well, he posted on Facebook and when he did, he zoomed them all in uh. to where, to, and so if you know me that when, when you alter a picture, it compresses it. And so it's, it's not as clear. It's not. And then he, he ta- you know, he put thanks ever for the photos and I was like, well, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah, you're my Thanks, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, and I was like, hey, man, you know, if you don't mind, not a big deal. But when you zoom it in, like I shot him on, he's a left-handed golfer, so I shot him on this side of the frame so that it leaves this empty space here, and I framed it up specifically to fit this. When you zoom it in, it really changes the picture. Yeah, yeah, and, and it makes it And it makes it really grainy, and then you put my name on it, and so everybody's like, man, this is those pictures are really grainy. <laughs> so it looks like <laughs> I actually took those pictures, but so he was like, man, I didn't even think about that. I was like, not a big deal, but just, you know, something to think about. So. Yeah. It's a, it's a touchy freaking thing, man. Photography is, it's art and, you know, ultimately it's your business. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, exactly. and that was my biggest concern was that someone seeing my name attached to something that had been altered that, you know, like I said, when you when you when I take a picture up, it's the composition of it is there's a reason behind it. Whether it's a zoomed in shot, whether it's a far off shot, whether it's on the right side or center or left of the frame, whatever it is, there's a reason for it in my head. Whether it's right or wrong, it's the way I see it through the through the lens and you know, altering that is 
kind of not representing what I shot. I guess in my opinion. Well, yeah, man, so, and they're and, not. And I think, and I think most photographers would feel the same. I was gonna say, and they're not seeing the other twenty photos that are almost identical to that one that you went through and meticulously picked out which one of that group that you wanted to keep and post up. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's it's not just a point click and develop like, you know, back in the seventies and eighties how we all used to wait around for the disposable camera rolls to come in, like, you know, there's thousands upon pictures for a day of shooting. Right, exactly. So what did you do? Uh, what did you do before this photography and filming game, man? Uh, so I was in medical sales um, uh, here in Mississippi, and um, the short story of it. Short story of it is that um, the product I was selling, um, with competitive bidding went, in, went into effect. We lost our our bid for the product I was selling, so to essentially eliminated my position. And I got laid off, and uh, the photography thing was kind of really taken off at that point. Um, so I, I wasn't ready to jump all in with it cause at that time. But um, I was I was broken freight for I don't know a year and a half or so, and kept finding that I was getting more and more calls about people wanting to me to shoot stuff for them and it was getting hard to balance both jobs and obviously this is something I love to do um, and so it was kind of an easy decision that once I realized I could support my family doing it uh, I, you know I started to jump, jump in feet first and I've been very thankful that I did so. yeah. yeah absolutely man it's never good to uh, obviously for a job to get eliminated I was going to ask you what the uh what the boss ladies say when you're like, hey, I'm going to quit my job and do this thing full full term. But at that point, it sounds like it was kind of uh, already replacing the job. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, like I said, it got, it got worse more and more. And, you know, it's, you know, I spend, uh, especially this time of year, um, count, I mean, a lot of hours photographing ducks. Um, just, I mean, literally, I could go, I can just sit on the edge of a refuge or somewhere that's got ducks and I could for 12 hours and just be in heaven photographing ducks. And so it's, it's cool that, you know, that even though it's my job, it's like nobody's paying me to go photograph ducks, but it's just something I love to do. And so it, you know, it makes the job part of it so much easier when you love what you're doing. No, no. That, goes, that goes with any, any career, but, uh, you know, I'm, very very fortunate in that aspect of it yeah if it can remain a passion after doing it you know for countless hours for uh you know for money and it still remains a passion i would say you found the right fit you know yeah it's uh there's some i mean there's so many photographers out there they're just so all i mean just ultra talented uh and of course you know i love looking at pictures of waterfowl and and every time i see what whoever it may be some awesome framed up shot just crystal clear of a duck or a goose or something you know it, it's i think it's while everybody looks at that picture and goes wow man that's an awesome picture that so-and-so took you know i think photographers appreciate even more because they knew the time that that man or woman spent going and 
setting up on something to to get that shot. And so it's and there's a there's there's a lot of time that goes into especially with waterfowl taking pictures and uh, but like I said, luckily for me, it's something I really enjoy doing. I was gonna say, could they if they only knew that you were crawling across the ice, you know, <laughs> yeah. putting your life at risk to go take a picture of these ducks for their enjoyment. Right, or taking a big six hundred millimeter Canon lens, you know, three quarters of a mile to shoot a bunch of shovelers in a rice field in South Arkansas. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's but like I said, it's it's what I love doing. So it's you know, I like I get it when I. Everywhere I go when I travel, uh, you know, usually I'm filming in the morning or, and depending on the situation, like a lot of times we'll have, I'll have some afternoons that, I, you know, are free where I can either edit or whatever, but I'm always looking for, wherever we are, I ask somebody like, hey, is there anywhere around here where it's like a refuge or something or somewhere close to a road that I can just go and set up and uh, like we're in Utah with the first day we hunted up there uh, we were driving out and we passed the, this refuge on this we're hunting public land we passed this refuge and man it's just land full of ducks and I was like hey man I told Randy just look just let me out of the truck right here and it was probably kind of 1 o'clock and so I grabbed my waders and my camera and a couple extra batteries and stuff and I was like hey I'll, I'll figure out I'll just I'll figure out a way to get back <laughs> he was like he's like are you serious and I was like yeah man I was like dude I don't, I don't get to I don't get the opportunity to photo duck, to photograph ducks with mountains in the background ever so this is and they're I mean it was slam full of you know cinnamon teal and pintails and everything and, and he said you're still sit on the side of the road here and I said yeah I said, dude, I, I'll Uber back or something or I said, you, I'll call you if you don't mind riding back out here at dark and picking me up. Yeah, like, when else oh, am I going to see another cinnamon teal, you know, in Mississippi? Right, exactly. And so he was like, hold on, man. So he called the, he actually called the, the manager of the WMA and he had his number and, you know, and said, hey, I've got a guy here filming for me because uh, Ramsey had been out there before and met the guy. And he was like, yeah. And he said, do you mind if he, you know, uh, hangs out and the guy's like yeah he's like actually he can he said I've got a side by side up here he's more than welcome to take it and go wherever he wants and so it, you know it worked out really good Very so I managed, yeah I managed to get some, some pretty cool shots out there yeah dude I can't imagine the things that you know you get to see doing that and that's one of the the cool parts about what you do is capturing that image for a lot of people just don't get to see that type of stuff man even guys that waterfowl hunt they just go to the same local water holes and they shoot the same mallards or gadwall whatever is you know local to them and just seeing the different you know the different places and the different views that's what we all enjoy and that's why we do this thing oh yeah absolutely uh yeah that's so every, everywhere I travel, that's my, my main, one of my main things I'm always looking for is, like, I'll pull up maps and try to figure out if there's a public land near that I can slip off for a few hours one day or uh, just set up on a rest area and try to get some pictures. And, uh, I've got a, a little bitty small uh, WMA that's about 20 minutes from my house that I spent a lot of time at. It's not great, but it's... Uh, it's only something that I go in the afternoons and, and get a few ducks here and there. And, 
and they keep it they keep it flooded for a few weeks after the season. So a couple weeks before the season and a few weeks after the season, pretty much every afternoon I'm out there. Now, do you have like a, a check, you know, like how hunters, we'll have a checklist of what birds that we want to, you know, take and mark off. Do you have like a checklist of birds that you've, uh, you know, that you've got photos of and stuff like that? No, not really. Um, it's, it's not so much, to me, it's not so much the species as far as just, um, just you know, really good photos. Um, I like to get ducks landing, ducks taking off. Um, I'm not, some people are, I'm not a big fan of the, the duck flying with nothing but blue sky behind it. I, you know, I like to have some depth of field in there. Um, just me personally, but, um, but what I photograph at home, so when I do go somewhere else and see different species, it is kind of exciting in that, you know, cause it's something new that, that I don't get to experience all the time. You know, here in Mississippi, I'm always photographing mallards and gadwall and teal and shovelers. So when, when you go somewhere that has cinnamon teal or a whole bunch of pintails or stuff like that, uh, yeah, I get a little bit more excited there. Uh, and, you know, one thing, and getting pictures of bands is always fun. Uh, you know, it doesn't happen that often, but it's, you know, I've got been lucky over the years. I've gotten quite a few pictures of banded ducks and geese. And so, yeah, that definitely makes uh, it cool, man. I was going to say, is there one, you know, it doesn't sound like species really matters that much to you, but is there, like, one that you're like, I want to get a picture of it? Like, uh, a king eider or a long tail or something, you know, that yeah, we don't see around here. Yeah, so there was, uh, yeah, I mean, that, obviously I uh, would love to go photograph those. Uh, you know, something I, anything that I've never taken a picture of, you know, Raging Wigeon or something like that would be be really cool. Uh, I guess, like I said, this last week was the first time I'd ever photographed a cinnamon teal, and I got a handful of what I consider decent pictures of them. So that was I was definitely looking for them when I was kind of scanning uh, water. I was trying specifically to find them just because, like I said, it's not something that I, I get photographed ever. Yeah, yeah. It's like, how many shots of this am I going to get, you know, outside of today? <laughs> it might be a year, two years, if I ever get back out here. Uh, yeah, so that's... Yeah, I guess, I guess species, when I'm traveling somewhere, it's probably a little bit species driven. If I can... It's something that I've never photographed or not photographed much. I'm probably a little bit more on the lookout for them. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely understand that, man. Um, now, on this filming stuff, like doing for your show, did you get into the editing side of it, or are you just uh, are you sending in footage to an editor? No, yeah, I do. I film it and edit it all. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which, which I, I think I touched on earlier. So we're, you know, we're trying to put out episodes every couple weeks during the season, which makes for a lot of long nights. Of, yeah. You, know, you get through, you get through hunting at noon or <sighs> whenever, and you come back and. And you're like instantly going through dumping, dumping footage and figuring out what you're keeping, what you're not, labeling everything, and then it seems like you're, you know, I'm up till whatever time of night doing that, and then it's right back next morning doing it, and then trying to 
hunt 50 plus days a year Mm -hmm. and edit you know five episodes all in a probably 80 day span there yeah definitely it it got pretty grueling last year Um, (laughs) luckily this year I upgraded my my computer drastically so it's the the speed of which everything renders and exports and stuff has greatly increased which is has helped a bunch and I'm I'm looking forward to this season it's gonna make my job a little bit easier and that not having to wait on stuff to take forever to render yeah I think when I was doing it, I had absolutely no editing experience and, you know, just watched a bunch of Premiere Pro videos and taught myself everything. And just like what you were talking about, you get back from the hunt at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, sit down and edit. And then I would edit until 2.30 and then I would go to work until midnight and then just start the same process. I think I got to the point where I was sleeping while I was editing and my eyes were still open doing work but oh my god yeah, I, can, I, I can remember a couple, of, I mean, a couple of days last season where uh, you know we were leaving at 3am to go hunt some public land in Mississippi or something and I stayed up editing till we left and it's like hey you know my next door neighbor Dwayne and I are going somewhere and I was like hey you gotta drive up all that editing and so uh, there was a couple times last season where that happened just because you, know, you kind of got these deadlines that we're trying to put this stuff out and uh, got to get it done somehow. Yeah, you get, you get to the point of when it's released, you don't even want to watch it because you've watched it 200 times from start to finish. Yeah, yeah usually um, when I get done with an episode, I'll kind of save it and then I won't watch it. So, like, I'll go to bed and I'll get up the next day and watch it. Because, like you said, you've watched it. I know every frame mm-hmm. that's coming next, and it's so easy to miss stuff. Um, and then once I watch it, I'll send it to Harrison and Brooks and Murray and you know, kind of get there. But, you know, what do y'all think? And one of the episodes last year, and I said, uh, Murray said, man, I think you spelled episode wrong. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, I guess I did. Because I've, I've seen it so many times that it just looks normal to me. Because, I, like you said, I've seen it 200 times. So it doesn't pop out to me that, oh, yeah, that's spelled wrong. <laughs> so. We had uh, one time where my buddy sent me a message while it was on TV. And he was like, dude, you left an F-bomb in there. And I was like, no way. And, you know, being on public TV, that's, like, a big, huge fine. And I was like, let's hope oh, yeah. nobody else noticed, you know. <laughs> I went back and watched it. Clear as day, you turn the volume up, and there's a big ass bomb. It's like, son of a oh. gun, dude. But uh, it's fun, man. It is, uh, and you're in the same position that I was in of where, you know, the kiddo is young. And it's it's cool. It's something that nowadays, mine are old enough, and they think that dad's, you know, a big loser at this point. And you're like, well, let me show you this real quick. Back when we were in our glory days, and they're like, you weren't on TV. I'm like, oh, I used to be. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for any of the old enough to start taking the decoys. I know that. Yeah, um, no joke. That's why you get them, retrievers, man. You let the dog absolutely. have the rest. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this season with, with Mossy Oak and uh, the Lost Break. I mean, it's, like you said, that. That place is there. It's, just, it's a really special place, and I'm so fortunate those guys have you know let us be a part of it. Harrison and Brooks, uh, you know Murray and I kind of tag along with the rest of the crew, and uh, 
Yeah, they, they've been really, I mean, they enjoy it because, you know, like you said, 20, I was like, you know, I don't know how long we're going to do it. This may be the last season we make, who knows. But, you know, 20 years now, it'd be cool to look back and show our kids. Because uh, we've, we've all got young kids um, uh, from Murray's or, you know, 7 to like 13, and Bruce has got them in that 7-year-old range, and then... Uh, Blake and I have a, some young ones, and Harrison's got a young one. So, uh, you know, twenty years from now, I'll be able to show them. And they're and they're in they're, they're in one of the episodes last year, and they'll be in one of them this year. So it'll be cool to look back and, and see and watch. And we're really old. <laughs> yeah, it's a little digital time capsule, you know. Absolutely. Where uh, where can people watch you guys' episodes at? Uh, you can go to Mossy uh, Go, Mossy Go app. Um, yeah, you know, you know, what they do is really phenomenal. You know, they've got all their content. Whether it's, I mean, I'm sure most people have, listening have it downloaded. But if you don't, Mossy Go app, you can download it on your TV, download it on your phone, and they've got all their content. Whether you want to watch turkey hunting or waterfowl or deer hunting or whatever it is, right there at your fingertips, you can instead of having to wait for something to come on tv it's it's all their contents right there it's really cool um but just scroll down to the waterfowl series and uh lost break uh the whole first season's there and then the um second season will be uh shooting the interview portion this weekend and it'll um, wrap up the first episode of the season i start working on editing it next week uh, so it should be out soon and uh instagram we're going to be putting episodes on Instagram this year, Lost Break, on Instagram, and YouTube as well. So, be a lot of, a lot of avenues for, to get some eyeballs on it this year, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely, man. You guys are killing it, and uh, hopefully the weather cooperates with you a little bit. Like I said, we got a, a slight front coming in this weekend, I believe. And then next week, it's supposed to be back down into uh, lows in the 30s. So, maybe we'll get something yeah. to come in before that. I hope it's gonna, it's gonna cooperate. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, actually, we'll be filming there, and we, we were kind of we had some issues with pumping water this year. That you know, a little burning hurt there. Uh, so we're not holding the sea dust. We normally are, but in the areas around us, aren't holding the sea dust. We only do. But I think this season in the mile is gonna be this is the first year we've been able to plant uh, anything. We planted millet in December, so. Hopefully, with a low water year, us being able to finally get all year thing get to We 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 found we did last two seasons with just you know it was underwater all summer into the fall, and we just weren't able to do hardly anything. And this year, actually, able to do what we wanted to do. It can really it can really be a jam up here for sure. Uh, and I'm leaving there this weekend.
Heck yeah, brother. Well, I hope you have uh, have some good luck, man. And what's your uh, your Instagram handle so people can check out some of your work? It's uh, Ed, Ed Wall 81 E-D-W-A-L-L uh, number 8-1. Edwall 8-1. Alright, brother. Well, man, I really, really appreciate... I know that you're doing a, a lot of packing and trying to get ready for this trip, but I, I appreciate you giving me some time tonight, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. appreciate the opportunity. Thanks a lot. Absolutely, buddy, and I uh, I hope you have some good luck, and maybe, uh, maybe we'll get to do it again. Alright, man, talk to you soon. Alright, buddy, take care. All right, guys, Mr. Ed Wall, really, really cool stuff he's got coming out. Um, he's been doing some crazy photography forever. Check it out, Edwall81 on Instagram and uh, Lost Break, as he said, on the Mossy Oak app. Hopefully you like it, Jer- like it, enjoy it, share it, like it, share it, enjoy it. That's the normal order of things. Um, check out Swampwood Products for a duck all blank. Send it to Unstable Calls. And uh, do it while you're wearing your Fox Red apparel t-shirt. And uh, yeah, have a good one, guys.